Welcome to the Potential for What podcast. On this podcast, we explore how a range of business leaders unlock the potential in people. We'll hear how they've done it, find out what has worked, what hasn't, and why this is so important in getting and keeping great people. Most businesses focus on the here and now. That is all about performance. But at Let's Talk Talent, we like to think differently as we fundamentally believe everyone has potential. The question is for what? So let's explore that together. I'm your host, Joe Taylor, Managing Director of Let's Talk Talent, a talent management and organizational development consultancy based in London, the UK. I have a request. If you value this show, if you enjoy these stories or find this wisdom or inspiration useful, please subscribe to the Potential for What podcast to listen to future episodes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Talent's Potential for What podcast. I'm really excited. I'm Joe Taylor, MD and founder of Let's Talk Talent, and I'm joined today by the wonderful Faye Wallace. She's a career and executive coach and founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. How are you doing, Faye? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much for having me today. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast because I've been on a couple of yours. So I'm excited to talk to you about potential today. Well, I'm very excited to be here. And yeah, it was wonderful to have you on HL Coffee Time. I think you may have been the very first guest or maybe the second guest to come on the show twice. So I'm really grateful. Oh, brilliant. And we'll talk about how people can kind of get in contact with you and find out about a bit more about what you do as we kind of go through the conversation. But the angle that I really wanted to talk to you about today, because you do a lot of work like we do with the HR community, and potential can mean a lot of different things. And one thing that I've been really ruminating over the summer is that feeling that HR gets lost in the conversation. A lot of the time, the focus is on the business, isn't it? You know, how can they improve people's performance? How can they increase someone's potential? The question of potential for what? But when we think about it, how does HR unlock their own potential, Faye? You know, what should we be doing? What should, you know, listeners to this podcast be thinking about? I'd be really interested to kind of get your viewpoint on that. Well, you're asking me a question that I'm going to love answering because I spend pretty much all of my time obsessing (laughs) over this. I have something called the HR Planner, which is probably what I'm I'd say I'm most well known for. So I think services wise, most people who will have heard of me before, if they have, will either know me because of the podcast, HR Coffee Time, or because of the HR Planner. So the HR Planner, there are two versions of it. One's a free downloadable one and one's uh, hardback. And what it's made up of is at the beginning, a whole goal setting section to help you think about your career and work goals for the year. Because I realized there doesn't seem to be anything like this available. And then as you work your way through that, you've then got other stuff to help you plan out your year because HR is just such an incredibly busy role most of the time. And you can find yourself constantly firefighting. So this helps you put some structure in place. But when it comes to all of those exercises at the beginning to help you think about what your goals are, I've actually just finished yesterday planning out the (laughs) HR planner for next year. So you've got me on a good day to ask me about it. Some of the things I really encourage people to think about are actually, what are their values? So what's really important to them? And I know this is something that your other guests have talked about as well. Because actually for you to unlock your potential, which I really see as being having a successful and fulfilling career, you have to understand, well, what's important 
to me I haven't actually got it in the planner but if someone really wants to go to town on trying to go down that path of self-discovery that's going to really help them to move forward in their career in a way that they enjoy and feel energized by then I definitely recommend spending time figuring out what your strengths are again I know that other guests have talked about that too and I love the Clifton Strengths Finder test for that. It's absolutely brilliant because I think a lot of the time we're not fully aware of what the things we're really good at are because they come to us so naturally. We think everyone else finds them easy too and they don't. You can find out what they are in other ways as well like asking for feedback but I think that one is is really really helpful. So I think the first step is that self-awareness like what you're good at what you enjoy, what lights you up, what motivates you. And then the second step when it comes to really developing yourself is thinking about actually, what are the skills that I really need to have to succeed in my career to achieve what I want? And they're going to be different for all of us. You can't just pick one particular role and say, okay, everyone, (laughs) here's the list of skills that you need to do that really well. And I think that's where there's often a lack of support. Because if you've done formal training in HR, that is very likely to have been CIPD training, which I will never knock. There is absolutely a place for that. I did my CIPD level seven, and it was one of the best things I could have done for my career at the time. But that can be very, very theoretical. And it's very much about a specific remit for HR. When actually there are all these other skills that you really need to have to help you feel confident, to help that you're doing a really good job. And they used to often be called soft skills, or I've heard people call them human skills, which I'm not a huge fan of. (laughs) So I've started calling them career enhancing skills. And that might be things like developing business acumen, developing coaching skills, improving your communication skills, learning facilitation skills. There are a whole, whole range of them that you can really tap into and develop so that you can succeed in your career. Do you think that the world of work when you think about it from an HR perspective, there is such a myriad of possibilities that a lot of the time when you look at careers and when you think about potential, the way we always talked about it is kind of how do you build your expertise in your early years in a career? And then as you develop, it becomes much more about experience, doesn't it? Do you think there's too much choice now and that actually it's really confusing? So going back to what you said about basics of understanding your strengths, your drivers, your motivators, your values helps to a point. But when you've got too much possibility, is it confusing? And how do you kind of get past that as a, you know, you might be a solo HR manager running a small business, you know, compared to a big corporate that might have spent tons and tons of money on giving you the insights of where your career could take you? I think that's when it's really helpful to be able to actually hang your hat on to the business needs and or the organization's needs and also the key areas of influence that HR traditionally is seen as having influence over. So of course, there is so much talk about HR being strategic, and that is really important. And if you are going to be strategic and you're going to figure out, right, what are the needs of the organization? So how can I, as an HR or people practitioner, contribute towards solving those needs or really helping the organization to succeed? There is always going to be more that you could do than you have got time to do. 
whether you are a solo practitioner or you're working with a huge team, it is completely impossible <laughs> to do everything. So I think the trick is once you've figured out, okay, what are the activities and projects that I need to be focusing my time on and perhaps upskilling in to really have an impact, it's then ruthlessly prioritizing. And it is weirdly hard to do that a lot of the time because we can get really excited. I'm terrible at this, Joe, at thinking, oh, let's just do this. It'll have such a great impact and be so exciting. But then I have to kind of really reel myself back and think, no, hang on a minute. There's a finite amount of time. I can't just do all of these things I'm excited about and think will have an impact. What is the first thing I really need to focus on and then, and then get that done? And I think that can help narrow that feeling of overwhelm and that feeling that, oh my gosh, there's just so much I could be doing and so much I could be developing. So how much do you think it is about you understanding yourself and that kind of how that enhances your performance versus those drivers that link directly to potential? So when I think about potential, I think about it as things around curiosity. I can't remember the company, but... Um, they have a model called JDI, Judgment, Drive and Influence, and they say they're the three factors of potential. When you think about it, how do the normal person kind of grasp the difference between what they're doing and what they're being judged for in terms of their performance and the skills and, as you say, the attributes and behaviours versus some of those things that are kind of sometimes innate and sometimes cultural and sometimes generational? And then someone's saying, well, you're you've got low potential. Well, what are, who are you to say that I've got low potential? What makes me that versus someone with high potential? How do you have that conversation as an HR person? If someone's actually saying to you, you've got low potential? Yeah. I think you've hit on my biggest bugbear in the world, Joe, which is why we see things in an aligned way a lot of the time. I started my career as a teacher. So it meant that when I was first really, really conscious of this word potential, it was within a school environment. And of course, every, every school strap line pretty much at the time and probably still now is all about unlocking your child's potential. But the way you measure that potential is through exams. It's completely bonkers that we can set children up to think they're a success or a failure. They've got potential or they haven't based on an exam. And that was really early on in my career when I was sort of 22 years old. So I've always resisted even using the word potential. And particularly, I've resisted institutions and organizations measuring and telling people what potential they have. I just fundamentally disagree with it. And I remember when you came on my podcast, which was ages ago the first time, but one thing you said really stuck with me you were talking about the fact that you don't like the nine box grid. And you said, because in that grid, there is a box that says no potential. And you said, how on earth can you tell anybody they have absolutely no potential? And I completely agree with you. So I'm sorry, I was worried this would happen, that I'd end up having a mini rant about the idea of potential. No, well, I think you're right. I think it very goes to the heart of who you are and why I wanted to be on your podcast and why I wanted you to be on our podcast, because yes, we agree on a lot of things, but I think it's also looking at it through different industries. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people miss. And some of the, you know, when you look at, read some of the HR press at the moment, and they're saying that 
chief people officers are now earning the same amount of money as CEOs. And you kind of think, well, yeah, why not? Because and other people would go, yeah, but you're a cost of the business and all of that. But some of the greatest CHROs I've ever worked for didn't start in HR. Their potential was discovered because they really liked people and the traits and they were really good at it and all of those types of things were really important. And I think that's what it boils down to, understanding someone's motivations, understanding someone's drivers, then enables you to, I suppose, advise and guide where that person could go. And isn't it our role as HR and as our, our role as, as humans to help people along that way rather than sort of give them a number or give them a grid reference that they're then in? Because then it's it's set, isn't it? It's like you're, some people believe nature versus nurture. You know, your your whole life is predestined. I just don't believe that. I think you make your own luck, right? So if potential is a ugly word, what would you use instead? It's such a good question, Joe, because I knew obviously we'd be talking about potential because this whole podcast is about it. And I've been agonizing over what a good definition is to use instead. And I haven't come up with a neat one yet. You've really set me a challenge. I think that it's something that I'd benefit from developing or, or thinking about more. But from my point of view, and if I think about the work that I do, which is all about empowering people in their careers and to succeed. Ultimately, what it does come down to is a combination of two main things, I think. And one is the self-awareness and the other is the skills development. So if we want to be able to help people unlock their potential, we need to make sure that they've got the tools and resources to even be aware of what some of those skills are because otherwise they've got no chance. It takes so long to figure out this stuff on your own. That's where I think organizations can really help by having some sort of framework and resources in place and having access to people. I think so much of our careers, and I'm sure those CHROs that you referenced earlier, who you said are absolutely fantastic and top of their game, they will have got to that position through their network and through people. And that's one of the biggest thing that holds people back in their careers is not having access to the knowledge to even know what the skills are they need to develop, but also the network, the people, that awareness so that they can understand and see other people role modeling behaviors or ask them questions about their careers or have them speak up for them and advocate them. I'm really passionate about that. I think it is key in helping people unlock their careers because before I specialised in working particularly with HR professionals, I coached people across all different careers. And it was fascinating whenever I was coaching someone who sat in the C-suite, every single one of them would say that at some point their network had helped them to get to where they were. And in fact, the more senior you go in an organisation, the higher up you go, the less likely it is that the job is going to be advertised. Instead, Everyone in that senior leadership team goes, right, okay, who do we know? Who could we ask? Who have we worked with before? Whose judgment do we trust? And so that's why that network piece is just so key. I totally agree with you about network. And I definitely say that to people that I've coached. And I think a lot of organizations are waking up to it. And when you think about it, it's not only your network that you're in now, it's your future job network, but it's your development network. And I think they're very different things. Um, and I try and get people to kind of define the different groups. 
But one thing that I've really noticed is that when people talk about networking, they think it's about LinkedIn. It's about Insta. It's about it's about that kind of, in a way, social bubble that exists. But I think what you're saying is that network is about the internal network that you have. How much should people be thinking about how much they outreach in a way and building that sort of brand you sort of thing versus how they build those relationships and that collaboration and that trust and integrity internally? Well, where you just talked about, you have got your definition of the three core networks that people have. I have a similar (laughs) complementary but different definition for it. And that is that you have got your personal network. So family, friends, if you're a parent, other parents at the school, if you're religious, other people in your religious community, if you have a hobby, other people who do that hobby with you. And people are always surprised when I say that because they think, well, what if none of those people work in HR? (laughs) Or what if none of them work in my sector? Why are you talking about that thing? But actually, if I even reflect on my own career, I've had so much help and support from people around me, just when I have spoken up and said, this is what I'm doing, or this is what I'm struggling with. In fact, oh gosh, I'm going to go on a, on a tangent, sorry, but it's one of my neighbors, it's his 50th birthday party on Saturday, and we all have to stand up and say a story about him. Now, when I moved into the road, they were lovely, came over, introduced themselves, and in the split second that I met them, somehow I learned that he is an Excel whiz, And I was just starting a new HR and recruitment role where they didn't have any sort of system for tracking applicants who applied. They didn't have applicant tracking software. And so I remember I felt really brave at the time. I had to work myself up to it, knocking on his door with a bottle of wine and saying, hello, I know we've only ever met once. I've just started a new job and I'm in real trouble. I have to set up this Excel spreadsheet. And I just don't know how to do it. So it will have the automation. But you mentioned you're brilliant at Excel. And he came over and I remember him sitting at my dining table building this spreadsheet for me. And when I took it in, everyone was like, wow, oh my gosh, Faye, we hadn't realized you're this recruitment Excel genius. So that is just one tiny, tiny example that's come to mind of how our immediate network can help us. They haven't, he doesn't work in HR and he doesn't have to be working in HR to help me like that. Love that. And then the second network that I talk about is your internal network, which is what you referenced. And so that really is about going, first of all, of course, if you work within a team, you've got to get to know the HR and people team really well. That's a non-negotiable. If you're a business partner, yes, absolutely get to know other people who you're responsible for partnering with, but actually go beyond that. And so if there are social events that are happening, try and go along to them. I know it can be hard to do that. I used to find that really challenging when I had small kids because you just feel like your time is so pressured and you've got to sort out childcare and stuff. If there are charity drives, take part in them. There are incredible ways of actually connecting with people all across the organization and hearing that really important company gossip and company data, that intrinsic knowledge that people have that you just don't get to encounter if you're in a little silo somewhere. So I think that's really important. And again, if there are opportunities for 
projects or cross collaboration, really embrace that, really try and take that because you're going to learn so much outside of just working within HR. And then the third network that I talk about is your external professional network. And that's a bit more where LinkedIn comes in. So that is making sure you stay in touch with people who you've worked with before. I just think LinkedIn is fantastic. I am such a LinkedIn nerd. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's such a fantastic tool. Connect with everybody you've ever worked with, everybody you know, because they will know you're fantastic. They will know you're passionate about your work. They will know you're good at what you do which is why at some point in the future, they're probably going to come and help you in some way, or they may come and ask you for help, which I'm sure you're going to be delighted to help them with. And then also that external professional network, it's about stretching yourself to try and meet new people and people you want to learn from. So again, if you work in HR, then go along to your local CIPD branch events. It's way too easy. I'm terrible at this. It's just staying at home in my comfy slippers, flicking on Netflix, and thinking, oh, we'll go to the next CIPD event instead. But actually, you're going to learn so much, not just from the speaker who's there, but from chatting to and meeting all of the other people. No, but I think it's really good. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And when you think about reaching your potential or what success means to you or whatever the phrase that we hopefully will come up together um, over time with, you know, I kind of believe that the majority of the way that you reach your potential is by doing a great job. I, one of the adages that my old boss said, you know, do a great job and the money will come. If you chase the money, it never comes, right? You know, I've taken that into running my own business now. But I really believe that getting really great at the job that you're in and thinking about the job that you want next is is super important. The networking part I think a lot of businesses and individuals forget and I, I love the fact that the way that you described it but then there's the third which is actually that formal development which in a way when you think about HR departments and the way that they're set up a lot of the time they're focused on producing that sort of 10% around that formal and informal learning and actually the majority of the work that you're going to I suppose get valued for and your contribution recognized is through that 70%, which is when you're on the job. I think it's important for people to realize that it's not just about something new and shiny. It's actually, if you do a great job, you get recognition and you get the opportunities and presented to you all too much. We're in too much of a hurry to rush to a job title or rush to a destination. It's about the journey, right? In all of our, both of our careers, it's been very squiggly you know, to quote the Squiggly Careers book, I started off in programming, you started off as a teacher who, you know, we now are business owners. I had my 50th birthday party this weekend. You'd have told me that I would be running a business of eight years. I'd have told you you were completely nuts. So you don't know, do you, what the possibilities are? And that's the excitement, but also the scary thing, if you're in HR and you're starting your career or whatever stage you are, it's an evolving world. And I think that that's really important to hold on to whatever the landscape looks like, right? Well, first of all, happy birthday, Joe! I hadn't realised that you had your birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you really enjoyed celebrating. Oh, I had an amazing time, amazing time. Good. I'm really pleased to hear it. And yes, I completely agree. When you're talking about the 70% and the 10%. I think it's really helpful to think about our development using that framework, the 70-20-10 framework. And I like to call it, someone else taught me this, I can't claim credit for it, the three E's. 
So I often talk to people about developing their career and making sure that they can tick off the three E's. So the 10% one is education. And if you were to imagine that we're all a pie chart, if you look at how we've developed in our career and achieved success, actually only 10% of that is going to come down to formal education. But that doesn't mean it's not important. It is still important. And then the 70% is exactly what you were just talking about, which is the on the job experience, the actual doing, the making sure that you're doing your best and doing great work. It's being able to put what you've learned from that 10% into action. And of course, also learning and developing while you're actually in the role and seeing other people do it. And then that final 20%, the final E is exposure. And that really is the networking piece we've been talking about. So exposure to other people. And if someone listening to this is thinking, oh yeah, how could I be progressing my career next? I'd really encourage them to think about that model and think, okay, if I wanted to rank where I stand on these different things, if I wanted to grade myself, education-wise, where am I sitting at the moment? Would I give myself a nine out of 10? Have I been doing any formal learning for a while? Was it years ago that I did anything like that? Should I actually maybe consider that? And then rank yourself on the 70%. So how much are you actually learning and developing in your role? How much are you being able to apply the skills that you've learned? Because now that technology has revolutionized learning and we can all learn just by putting our headphones on and listening to this podcast, Joe. I mean, I'm terrible at listening to loads and loads of podcasts, but they're not implementing anything. So it's making sure you're doing that implementation. And then finally, are you really shying away from that 30, that 20%, the exposure, the networking? How would you rank yourself? Are you, are you scoring yourself as highly out of 10 there? And then take a step back and think, right, okay, you'll know straight away where you're going to benefit from focusing some time and effort on. Brilliant, Faye. Thank you so much. So if people want to find out more about the work that you do, where can they find you? Well, you can come along to my website, which is Bright Sky Career Coaching, or I would love you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time. It's Faye Wallace. I'm not sure if there are any other Faye Wallaces on there, but that's Faye without an E on the end. And there's a long story behind that. And Wallace is spelt with I-S on the end instead of A-C-E. Brilliant. And the final question that I kind of wanted to ask you, because you always ask me, so I'm going to turn the tables is do you have a favorite podcast or a book that you think um, you want to pay it forward um, and share with our listeners today? Absolutely. So I'm a huge bookworm, but one book sprang to mind instantly when I knew that we would be talking about potential and careers. And that is the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. She's actually a professor as well as a doctor, so I'm never sure what title I should refer to her by, but on the book it says doctor, so I'm going with that. And actually the full title of the book is Mindset, Changing the Way You Think to Fulfill Your Potential. Has anyone else recommended this already? No, no. Oh, hooray. I was worried you would have had loads of people recommend it. No, no, no. I love that book. It's brilliant. Yes, I read it several years ago, and I would say it's been a life-changing read for me. And I loved it so much. I bought copies at the time for all my clients, all my family. <laughs> so everyone's amazing. Everyone's got a copy somewhere. I think I'm on my third copy of the book where I keep handing it out because it was just had such a big impact. And again, it really ties in with what we've been talking about and why I don't actually really 
use the word potential just because of my former experience of it. And in the book, what Carol Dweck discovered through extensive research is that we tend to have either what she calls a fixed mindset, where we think we have got a limit on our potential and that we're naturally at good thing at some things and terrible at others, and that people who are really successful, oh, there's something special about them and they're really talented. Or we've got a growth mindset, which is where we embrace the fact that we can develop and grow. And actually, if we don't get something right the first time, that doesn't mean we're an abject failure. We treat it as a learning opportunity and we figure out, okay, how can I improve and keep going forwards? And I'm pretty sure if you were to talk to most people who consider themselves to have had really successful careers, they're going to fall into the growth mindset category. So it's a life-changing book. I would highly recommend that people read it if they haven't already. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Faye. And it's really interesting because we actually talk about fixed and growth mindset in our career sprint. So um, we definitely reference uh, the Carol Dweck book. So again, another way of being kindred spirits, Faye, that goes on and on and on. But I just wanted to say a massive thank you for your passion, your enthusiasm and all the work that you're doing. It makes a massive difference. And I think your HR planner is fantastic. So if anyone hasn't signed up to phase planner i would absolutely say um, you're missing a massive trick thank you again for being such a thoughtful and caring guest and i wish you success going forward thank you thank you so much joe it's been wonderful speaking to you today thanks for listening to the potential for what podcast if you're hearing this message you've listened to our new episode all the way to the end and for that i thank you from the bottom of my heart We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. As always, you can head over to letstalktalent.co.uk forward slash podcasts to check out all the links and resources in the show notes and to sign up to our email list.